Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. All right, welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer joining you, and it is 111 in Edmonton. Our apologies for uh, the technical difficulties, uh, but uh, we've worked to improve the uh, the phone line quality on these road shows, and I think uh, we're getting close to getting it all squared up. As promised, we're going to get a perspective on the Minnesota Wild right now. Uh, he is uh, one of the most heavily followed uh, hockey writers in the entire United States. We welcome back to the show Mike Russo from The Athletic now out of Minnesota. Mike, how are you? Uh, doing great. A little rainy here, as you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so far, so good today. It was gorgeous last night when we flew in, but it looks like Vancouver today, Mike. Oh, my God. I, I, right when I woke up today, I knew that it, the weather must have been awful because I woke up like with the most pressure-filled migraine, and I look, open up my window, and, yep. And we got two days of this, so uh, just perfect timing for the Oilers to come into town and you, Bob. Well, well, they're going to try to rain on the Minnesota Wilds parade. Now, do you, do you have a migraine because of what's happening on the ice or off the ice right now with this organization? Because uh, Edmonton's been there, Mike. We've had some hard miles over the last several years, and it's just a start at 7-1-1. One, and one. But at the end of the day, the Edmonton Oilers still have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and that's as good a starting place as any. And I'm just looking at this Minnesota Wild team, and you tell us what you're seeing right now out of this uh, out of this group, out of the organization. The sudden, maybe not surprising, but the sudden firing in the off season of Paul Fenn. What's going on here? Well, I mean, first of all, they're on fire. They've they've won one in a row, scored four goals in a game, so uh, things are going great. Uh, definitely a happier bunch today. Uh, entered last night's game one and six, and and obviously uh, you know they did play well against Montreal. Uh, nearly blew the game, and figured out a way to get a big home win, which has been uh, rare the last uh, couple years for them. And but they're old, they're slow. Um, but what they showed last night is that if they play a semblance of fundamental hockey, they can look fast. Uh, you know, granted they were playing a team on the second of a back to back, but. But uh, they actually connected on passes last uh, last night, which has been an absolute chore this season. And because they were hitting tape to tape all night long, they look like a fast hockey team. And um, for a team that's uh, one of the older groups in the league, at least when you talk to uh, the top half of the core, um, they've got to play that way or they're going to look really uh, plotting on most most evenings. Mike, what happened here in the offseason with Paul Fenton? Um, probably sanity prevailed. Um, you know, it was, it was just a, a really poor, uh, year, uh, behind the scenes for this guy. Um, he showed to be really woefully unprepared for this job. And, uh, I think as much as Craig Leopold did not want to pull the plug, he realized that he absolutely had to, not just because of the on ice things that were clear mistakes. Um, but just a lot of the off-ice turmoil that was created inside the organization. The morale of this team was as bad as I've ever seen it. I've never seen somebody come into an organization and be just so disliked by pretty much everybody. And um, it just was not a healthy atmosphere for everybody around the team, especially the front office people, the people, periphery staff, and things like that. And and um, and Craig just couldn't take it anymore. And I know that he didn't want to do it because it was admitting a colossal mistake by him. 
um, but it needed to be uh, rectified, and, and shockingly, he did it late late July. I mean, once you know, there, there was a lot of rumblings, Bob, right after the season that he was going to pull the plug on him, and they tried to work with him the first couple months of the season to repair some of the um, uh, personality issues that he was having with a lot of the people around the team and the media, and once. He allowed him to work the draft, and once he allowed him to work free agency, you just, you know, you kind of, your radar goes down, and you're like, all right, they're not going to pull the plug. And then he did. And um, it was shocking to a lot of us. And um, and uh, right now, I mean, uh, Oilers fans know Billy Guerin well. From a personality standpoint, they definitely have a, a, a perfect guy in that spot, the, probably the complete antithesis of uh, Paul Fenton. And now it's just a matter of letting him put his stamp on the team and seeing if he can... Uh, make the right moves to repair this organization. He's got a lot of work ahead of him. It's not an easy situation, as you just mentioned, with the roster. Well, and I mean, I, I mean, for our listeners, and some of them are aware of this, like Paul Fenton for years was seen as the GM in waiting. He was an assistant GM to, to uh, Pete Shirelli and Stan Bowman on that World Cup uh, Team North America team. Uh, I know I, you know, <laughs> I'll say this. He was always quite engaging with me. Uh, we did have a disagreement one time over why Ryan Nugent Hopkins wasn't included in that team initially, especially since two players that they had on that initial list for the World Cup team, Nugent Hopkins played ahead of at the actual World Cup. But the, like the three moves last year, like just, just, and I don't, you know, I don't, I, and you did excellent work, by the way. Great job reporting this, Mike. But those three trades for, Charlie Coyle, uh, Nieder Ryder, and, uh, and, and Michael Granlin, like to me, they traded away three top six forwards for this hockey club. And that's what really makes Billy Guerin's sure, uh, issue really hard here is because, look, a lot of Wild fans are clamoring for a rebuild. Um, you know, as Oilers fans know, that that's not easy or hard to, you know, easy to accept when it's going on. And, be a miserable existence, but maybe you come out of it uh, on the other side pretty well. But but what Paul Fenton did is he took three core forwards and traded them for really nothing, um, and no futures with it. And the jury's still out, I think, on Ryan Donato for Charlie Coyle. I don't know if Ryan will ever be Charlie Coyle, but he's a young player. Fiala is just an absolute. Um, you know, he's he's an enigma. I just don't get why he can't put it together. Um, but he's been awful this season, and he was awful after he got here. And and as somebody inside the organization said to me today, like, I cannot believe that we traded Michael Granlin for Kevin Fiala. Um, but he was so infatuated on getting this guy because it was like his, his guy that he drafted in Nashville, and it's just a total disaster. Yeah. And um, and then Victor Rass for Nino Niederreiter, I mean, it's not even worth, worth wasting words there. I mean, that's just insane trade. Um, so... And by the way, they didn't scout him. So it's just uh, it's just amazing. And so they traded away three players. Look, I get he had to eventually eat into the core of this team. But you want to try to get players for players. And um, now they've traded away three guys that, um, that could be used to try to rebuild this situation. And it's just not easy now. And... Um, so we're going to have to see what Billy Guerin does. It's not going to be. Uh, it's not going to be easy. I mean, there are a lot of flaws on this team. A lot of guys on awful contracts, and then it's probably been exasperated now because uh, exasperated. You know, like I just feel like to give a five-year deal to a 32-year-old in um, 
Matt Zuccarello was probably, you know, I know Paul, uh, Craig Leopold signed off on it, but now you add him now to the aging core of Eric Stahl, Nico Koivu, Devin Dubnik, uh, Zach Parise, and Ryan Suter, and it's just it, that's a contract that is just going to be a killer in the next couple of years, most likely. So again, uh, Craig Leopold signed off on it, but again, uh, Paul Fenton was just so focused on 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 making a move, and then you give him a no move clause, Bob. Uh, it's just. So now you're going to lose a young player to Seattle because of this move. It's just insane, and um, and uh, it just probably had to had to end that one year of disastrous management. Yeah. Did he not also hire his son was working for the Oilers in an entry level scouting position when he came aboard? Uh, Paul Fenton's son is that yeah. PJ Fenton? Is he still with the yeah, Wild? PJ. Yeah, he's going to yeah. co-run the draft their second year in a row. At least that's the way that Billy says it. And, you know, um, and it's an awkward situation because Billy is actually, you know, they're from the same area, and so he knows Paul Fenton really well. He's definitely keeping P.J. involved. I will say this, um, you know, I, I don't know P.J. really well. He's been good to me. I mean, I don't know if he'll continue to be good to me after the, the expose that I wrote on his dad after he was let go. But, but uh, you know, the Wild did have a couple of what we think good drafts in a row. Um, so obviously, yep. the last last year the Philip Johansson pick that was, per, you know, PJ technically wasn't in the organization yet, um, and uh, and this past year was PJ's kind of first year. But you're right, he was just he came here on an entry level job as well, and then next thing you know he's running the draft when Brent Flair left, and um, we'll have to see. Uh, you know, the, I, I I feel bad for this Matt, for Boldy Matt Boldy that they drafted. I know that you probably know him a lot more than me. Um, but he's he's gonna he might wind up being a great player, but he is gonna always have the wild fans are clamoring for them to take Caulfield, and um, and Caulfield here, off you know very early in his college career, six goals in three games. Uh, Boldy struggling very early in his college career, and for the rest of time, just like Eric Sinek is always compared to Brock Besser because the Wild passed him up. You know, poor Boldy is going to always have to have Caulfield linked to him because Wild fans were convinced they were going to finally draft a pure goal scorer, and uh, they drafted Boldy, and we'll see. I mean, you know, he had a really good camp, uh, a development camp. It looks like he's a really skilled player. I know his, his U.S. hockey coaches loved him, and we'll see what type of player he develops into. It's way too early to say. Mike, as you know, because we've discussed this before, we're joined by the Athletics' Mike Russo, who's uh I would assert to you probably the most prominent, uh, I don't even know if I'd call you a beat writer, but uh, prominent writers uh, in the United States right now for hockey. Uh, the Oilers had a lot of time for Joel Eriksson Eck, had they held their pick at 16 back in 2015. And it's my belief, just on Boldy versus Caulfield, I believe Edmonton had uh, Boldy ranked higher than Caulfield. So uh, Minnesota weren't the only organization that, I, you know, that maybe saw it that way. Uh, so we'll, time, and, I guess and, time and, will tell on that front. Be, yeah. Hey, and to be fair, I mean, everybody I've talked to has said that about Eric Snack, that no team in this league would have taken Besser over Eric Snack. Um, so it's easy in hindsight, and I think it's just a hot topic in Minnesota, obviously because Besser's turned into a heck of a scorer, and the Wild lack scoring, and the kid was you know grew up 15 minutes from the XL Energy Center. So it's just easy to say in hindsight, but I totally agree with you to be fair. Um, a lot of people say that, that Eck was the guy that any team would have taken. And, and same thing, I think, you know, again, it's, it's easy to, be, to say, uh, 
you know, but but I think a lot of people were scared off, obviously, by Caulfield size. So we'll see. It's it's way early. Yeah, absolutely. One more for you, uh, Mike. Just on uh, Bruce Boudreau, who's represented uh, by Gil Scott. Gil's uh, the father of Bill Scott, who's on this trip with the Oilers. Uh, Bill is uh, sort of the hockey administration uh, cap guy for the Oilers. Uh, Gabby's in the last year of his deal here, and I I never did when you're when you're a broadcaster for the Edmonton Oilers and you've missed the playoffs twelve of the last thirteen years, you never ever look down or you know what I mean, belittle another organization for the position they're in. But this looks like it's gonna need a rebuild here and is Bruce Brudrow sort of that guy moving forward for Bill Guerin, do you think? I doubt it. I mean, uh, and I think Bruce knows that. They didn't give him an extension in the offseason. Um, I don't, I really, I know it's, it's, I think things would have to be, I think the wild would have to be, maybe I'm wrong, like 2-20 and 20 for him to get fired. Like, Billy doesn't want to fire him. And I think Billy deep down knows that this team, what it's lacked is a top pick. I mean, they have never, ever, uh, other than 05, and their first year when they were given Marion Gabrick, they've never been able to draft at the top of the draft. And so in 05, they drafted Benoit Pouliot um, and at number four, but they've never, ever had a pick. And that's why the Wild a lot of times are, seem to be spinning its wheels. And so I think that Billy, deep down, he'd never say it publicly, is willing to let this thing end where they get as high a pick as possible and to fire Bruce Boudreaux to maybe take a team that's not a cup contender, maybe even let alone a playoff contender, and try to get nine or ten more points and kind of destroy your your chances or lessen your chances at a, at a top lottery pick, I just don't think makes a lot of sense. So I, I hate to say it like this because I think you know how much I, I love Boudreaux and respect the heck out of him, but, but he might just have to go down with the ship this year and uh, last till the end, and then you're probably bringing in your own coach if you're Billy Guerin. So that's just my total opinion um billy has given him countless votes of confidence um even throughout their their one win in their first seven games and so i just don't think that he wants to get rid of them and i just don't think he sees a purpose in it um to take a team that is clearly not a cup contender like what is the purpose of bringing a new coach here they're not the st louis blues like you know i keep on writing this and saying this and like wow well the blues did it uh, the Wild are not the Blues, okay, and um, and so it's just not going to happen. And so, to me, to me, it's just like let let you know. As much as I hate to say it, let Bruce coach the team, and and then let's you know maybe have a reset in the off season. Yeah, I, I lied uh, very quickly. Jason Zucker, does he survive this? Because yep. it seems like his name's out there all the time. You know, I think so. I mean, the, the reality is, as, you, as we just talked about, there's only so many tradable commodities on this team, and Jason's definitely one of them. Um, he does yeah. have a no uh, modified no trade, so uh, you know, let's put it this way. Unless he's completely a moron, which he's not, i got to think Calgary's on that list after almost <laughs> getting traded to Calgary a couple times. Um, so i I, I got to think that if he wants to stay in Minnesota, he made sure that Calgary was on that no trade list this year. Um, but... I think he's gonna. Uh, the, the the thing the other day with him calling, you know, uh, mentioning Bruce in the quote. I mean, that was to me and the other two beat writers. 
you know, even though it was obviously eye-opening that he used Bruce's name in the quote that Bruce has to be better, we have to be better, everybody has to be better, I don't really think it, he meant it with the malice that it, it, it sounded like he did. And so um, it became actually a great story the last couple of days. And in the locker room, it's, it's created a lot of uh, looseness. I mean, even after the game last night, Bob, when the Wild won, Alex Stalock, you're going to love the story, Alex Stalock, when he gave the hero of the game hat to one of the, his teammates, he first started off by saying that they should give it to Bruce because he coached better, and it created a lot of howling in the locker room. So I think he's going. <laughs> I think the awesome. going to survive this. They, they are Bob. They're one of the slowest teams in the NHL to trade one of your fastest guys. It just makes very little sense to me. But again, he's a tradable commodity. The other thing I'll just quickly say on a preface is that remember one team that Paul Fenton almost traded. Pitts, uh, traded Zucker two last year for Phil Kessel was Pittsburgh, and obviously Billy Guerin was there. So I would think that Billy endorsed that trade and probably w- would like to have Zucker on his team. Mike, great job, real clarity. Uh, we'll see you at the rink tomorrow morning. Okay. Yep. See you, Bob. Take care. That is Mike Russo from the Athletic. We're going to go straight into the Oilers injury report. It's brought to you by James H. Brown, injury lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jamesehbrown.com. Here's Brendan Escott. Well, Bob, Blue Jackets forward Josh Anderson was activated from the IR this morning and should suit up against Toronto tonight. Leafs forward Andreas Janssen left Saturday's game early, but should also be good to go tonight as well. Golden Knights forward Alex Tuck landed on the IR with with an upper body injury. He's expected out until early November. His teammate on the back end, Nate Schmidt, was given the same timeline for a knee injury that he suffered. Philip Forsberg down in Nashville left the last game with an undisclosed injury considered day-to-day right now. And the Sabres activated top goaltending prospect Uko Pekka Lukanen over the weekend, marking the next step in his recovery from major hip surgery. He was then assigned to the AHL. In Minnesota, Victor Rask questionable for tomorrow with a lower body injury, and so is Joel Erickson Eck. Matt Zuko Carello remains on the IR with bumps and bruises, and Greg Patterson has a bilateral core muscle injury. Sounds pretty serious there. As for the Oilers, uh, Joe Kim Nygaard still out with a rib injury. Adam Larson, of course, recovering from that fractured fibula, and Joel Parrison in concussion protocol for, I would imagine, not too much longer, Bob. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if Gagne's in for Archibald. Archibald blocked a shot off his foot. Sounded like uh, we might see Zuccarello tomorrow for the Minnesota Wild. All right, it's 129 in Edmonton. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Back with Jay Woodcroft, an update from Bakersfield on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.